Imagine having 24 grandchildren. In this episode, we talk to parents of six adult children and their spouses and 21 grandchildren with three on the way. That's a total of 38 in one extended family. If you think you've experienced chaos, you probably haven't experienced the level of it that Mike and Tina Wilson have. Mike and Tina, welcome to The Grand Life. It's great to have you here. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. Good to be here. First of all, uh, we've asked you on here because you have a tremendously large group of grandchildren, a large family to begin with, and then a large group of grandchildren. So first of all, I'm wondering if you might be able to tell us a story of once you got married, how you decided, and I'm going to put that in quotation marks because some people don't actually decide, it just happens, to have a large family to begin with. How did that work out? We didn't actually plan so much. Uh, we we both came from fairly large families. Um, and so we knew how much fun it was. I mean, I, I, I don't think either one of us could imagine not having you know, a, a larger family or brothers and sisters around to tease or to, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I think it should probably fall more in the category of it just happened, even though there was a little bit of... Uh, forethought in it, I guess. Yeah. Um, and Tina, is she? I'd love to know from her perspective, um, first of all, how many children do you have? We have six. You have six children. And yes. um, then how many grandchildren do you have? We have 21 now and three, three on, on the, the way. way. So 24. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> Does that include all six of your children at this point or is there potential for oh. more? Our youngest has not even started yet. <laughs> wow. Okay, so there's there's more on the horizon, perhaps. Perhaps. I talked to the Wilsons first about their nuclear family of six children because the lessons they learned then have proven valuable now as the grandparents of so many. When you had six children and they were growing up, I'm wondering how you organized your life around having a large family. I mean, you, uh, Mike, you said that um, you were used to both used to living in a large family, but it's a little different when you're the actual heads of the household doing that together. Um, you know, how did you manage with, you know, I mean, even the most practical things like as they grew older, how did you manage with the amount of cars you needed or how did you do meals or hobbies for each of them? Because those are all things that when you have a small family that's manageable, you know, you have one, you have a car and they all fit into it or, you know, you, they each take a lesson or two. So as, as the family grew, we had to obviously get a larger, larger and larger vehicles to be able to accommodate everybody. I just scurry off to work and let her deal with everything. So that, that's, a, <laughs> that's how it worked. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. I remember somebody call, a friend of mine calling me and saying it was a younger woman and she was calling me because we had four children and she said she was thinking of having a few more. There were seven of them. So there were five kids and two adults. And she said, what if I have another child, then I can't fit them all in the same car. You know, like even in a van, really, when you get to seven, that's about the max for a van unless it has bench seats. So <laughs> we actually talked through that practicality together. And I said, well, I guess you're just going to have to get a bigger van. Is that what you did then for you guys, Mike? Yeah, we went, we went from 
uh, station wagon to minivan to large van, uh, surprisingly enough, a Ford Taurus wagon can hold eight people. No. And, you know, back in, in our day, we have such large child seats and booster seats and all that kind of thing. But for a long time, I mean, we, we went through two Ford Taurus wagons because they were able to accommodate eight people. And then we went once we went to the big van, that was, made things life a lot easier. It was like, well, now we can get in and out. That was that was nice. There was a time that we did travel in two cars. I remember we went to family camp and Ooh, we drove. Right. Yeah. Each of us drove and we split up the kids. So. Yeah, if there was too much, if there was luggage involved, right. I mean, there's just no way to get everything right. in. So, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. So. And Tina, maybe you can speak to, and I'm assuming since Mike went off to work every day, you were dealing with uh, food. Um, maybe you can talk about that because I know even with four children, I felt like I was running a cafeteria. So, how did you feel? And with five boys and one girl, the boys tended to eat more. However, Seeing how much our grandchildren eat, the boys that they eat, um, I don't recall ours eating as much. <laughs> I really don't recall ours eating that much. <laughs> like we got all these yeah, compared yeah. to what we see um, now. <laughs> we have a funny story. A fellow that you guys actually know and came to stay at our house uh, one night, and he and I went out to get groceries or I actually do what we call a cereal run. I picked up six gallons of milk, which was, you know, our norm. And he just saw me continually putting gallons of milk in the in the uh, cart. And he was, he was floored by it. And he still talks about it to this day. And that was, what, 30 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> so That is, you made a lasting impression. Um, and, and finally, just what about hobbies? Because I know we had a, um, you know, a, a limit on the hobbies they could have because, you know, we, we were like, if one's going to do this, then maybe the rest of you are going to do this because we can't be running around getting you to hobby to hobby. Did they did they have that sports and all that? What did you do about that? There's three years between the three older and the three younger. Okay. And the three younger just kind of had to tag along whenever right. we took the others to their events. But they seem to really enjoy going along to all the other events. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say we have one son and three daughters. And so he was, he got tired of, of going to ballet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I bet. <laughs> uh, but that's, just, you know, that's the way it is when you have a larger family. You just have to all kind of pull, pull together and do what you can. So um, I'm curious, when you were raising your own children then, did you think about how many resulting grandchildren you might have? Like, did you stay awake at night and think, wow, this could mean whatever? I don't remember ever thinking about that. <laughs> uh, it's uh, definitely... Um, a consideration when you have that many kids. Yeah, no. you did. I'm surprised you even think about that. Maybe that's just me. I mean, I would lie awake at night and think, well, if each one of them has three or each one of them has whatever. <laughs> it, it's hard to hard to imagine, I guess. But with five boys, it was kind of chaotic. Yeah. And so we, you just kind of get used to a life of, of semi-chaos. Yeah. And so thinking about the future, uh, you know, other than <laughs> How are we going to get them fed and how are we going to get clothes on our backs and, and get them to college and, you know, this and that, that you, just, you don't look quite that far ahead. Yeah. So we, could, <laughs> right. we couldn't think as far ahead as what happens when grandchildren start. <laughs> well, that's a good point. You're just trying to breathe and make it through the day. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. So um, when did you become grandparents? How old were you? Do you remember when you became grandparents? 
we were 50 and our, we were 25 when our first child was born. <laughs> he was 25 when his first child yeah. was born. Yeah. So. How many people do you know personally who have as many grandchildren as you do? We don't know any. <laughs> and anytime we go to a high school reunion or something, we always win the most grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. You know, too bad they don't give you a $10,000 check that goes with that. That's right. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> they all just p- applaud and then then think, oh, my gosh, how did they do that? Let's talk a little bit about you handling logistics with so many grandchildren. Now, we've talked about your children, but with your grandchildren, um, first of all, how many of them live close enough to you so you see them on a regular basis? Uh, I'll let you take that one, Tina. We have um, 12 that come every Sunday after church. Oh, wow. Are you responsible for feeding them? No, no. Um, Actually, the moms and dads pitch in and they either order out or they bring food in and make um, make meals. So that's, that's worked out wonderfully. We've, lately. Got, we've got several good cooks in the yeah. family, including a couple of our sons mm-hmm. and that enjoy it. Yeah. Once church is over, a family thread usually gets started about what's going to happen for dinner. What, who's bringing what, or are we going to order out or something like that? In fact, Mike mentioned during the interview that going to church is what has kept their family sane and harmonious amidst all the chaos. He said, It comes first. It's just what we do. Orthodoxy has lots of services and seasons, and it creates a rhythm in life. It focuses us. It centers us. It informs every aspect of our lives. Our oldest child, he's in Rolla, Missouri, he has eight. So and expecting one more. So they'll have nine of the of the 24. We don't see them, obviously, quite as often. But when they come, everybody wants to come and see them. And so sure. it's how many people is that? Uh, 20, 30, 41 kids like and, and uh, 14 adults. So it's a lot of kids. And it just a, a few years back, uh, we had everybody here and we were literally going nuts. Yeah. This is just too much for us and and, in the size of our house we had. And so we had to add on a big family room just to have the physical space for everyone to run around because a week with everyone here was just too much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I get it. I mean, to have you, cause you want to have time to be together. It's not like you don't want that, but at the same time, it's so impractical in some ways. So you've got to figure it all out and you want them to stay for a length of time because they've traveled so far to see you. Right. You know, the kids love each other. The cousins are just best friends. They cannot wait to get together. And the oldest is 13. So that's 21 kids, 13 and under. Oh, and my goodness. So some of them are, uh, how would you say, much more active than the mm-hmm. others. Some of the younger ones. And you, you've got to keep an eagle eye on some of these guys. Yeah. Because you never know what they're going to get into. And right. it's a constant, you know, wipe your feet, take your shoes off. Shut the you door. Know, shut the door. <laughs> <laughs> so, so poor Tina. We actually went on a vacation, Tina and I, at the same time our uh, son from Rolla, Missouri, was coming in. And he said, can we use the house? Well, sure, you can use the house. So they were here for a couple of days while we were gone. And one of our uh, our daughter-in-law then commented afterwards how without mom here, you know, running herd on everybody, it was 
an incredible amount of stress on the parents <laughs> that just keep the doors closed and keep the leaves out of the house and keep the, you know, everything going on. Yeah, way to make yourself indispensable. They, they, they now want, they understand. That was a perfect ploy. Get yourself out of town. Yeah. You do have some grandchildren, from what I understand, who live like right down the end of the street or something, right? We live in a in a you know like out in the woods, uh-huh. and we have a thousand foot driveway, and so there's two homes on the driveway. My dad lived in the the first house, and we live in the second house. And when my dad uh, passed, my son got his house. So yeah, they just live right down the driveway, and they are constantly coming up to the house and seeing us, and and we just love seeing them. They'll knock on the door in the morning, and sometimes one or two of them will come in and have breakfast. And <laughs> or we, we we just recently had a uh, um, mini bike come into the family, and now that <laughs> mini bike is constantly driving up and around our house and going all over the place. So that's a new new uh, added feature to uh, to our woods. But it, it's interesting, you know, talking about that particular family um, because of their proximity. We know them better. Sure, it's it's a little bit different relationship with them uh, than with some of the others. Mm-hmm. And it's just just interesting dynamics. Yeah, there are times when I just need a break, or I I have a sewing room upstairs and I can't hear them come in. Um, Yikes! I will lock the doors. I will lock the doors, and, t- <laughs> and I also tell them that if you knock and I don't answer, that means I'm busy. Don't try to come in. Sometimes I forget, <laughs> but uh, find them wandering yeah, in the house yeah. or getting the blocks or the toys or right. something. Right. Well, <laughs> well, I'm upstairs. That's really good, though, to have the boundaries. I think boundaries are always important, and especially when they live right down the street. I find it's interesting with with our um, grands who live right down the street. Um, They come, and they walk in the door, and... You know, when I would see my grandchildren who live far away, there's always big hugs and, you know, kisses and all that kind of stuff. But we have gotten to the point now where because we see these children on a fairly regular basis, you know, several times a week and everything, and they just they just walk in and it isn't like that. It is different. It's a kind of a, a really close, like, familiarity with each other. It's like, oh, hi, come on in. I'm, I'm cooking or whatever. I don't go running up to them and give them a yeah. hug. Now, they might come to me and hug me, but it's just so interesting how that change, that dynamic is different yes. when you live close by. That, that's a really interesting yes. point because they'll walk in and they know we're glad to see them because there's a high up, there's sure. a smile and something, but but they don't particularly get a hug like you say, or, you know, we don't make right. a big deal out of them being there. It says, hey, buddy, how you doing today? You know, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, but the other ones, even the ones in town, like they just came over this evening and and the three little girls. And boy, it's just a big deal when they get here. And there's, <laughs> oh man, there's hugs at the beginning. <laughs> hey, hi, you guys. You know, it's just all exciting and everything. And so it's mm-hmm. different between the, the different kids. This is where I want to kind of settle and talk a little bit more about the individual child and how different each one of them is. And I wondered how you find ways to intentionally show your love to your grants as individuals when you have so many. I mean, what kinds of things do you find that you need to do in order to make them recognize that you love them as who they are as opposed to like the big group of kids? Tina, do you want to talk first? 
Yeah, um, I would say it's not, it's really not intentional. Uh, it just, just by observing what they like and then going with that. Um, like the granddaughter, the three that were here this evening, three little girls, they like for me to print off coloring pages. Mm-hmm. So I'll do that for them and they'll, they'll color. Um, the kids that are down the driveway, they all come in and they go right to what they're interested in that we have in the house. Our granddaughter that's by herself over in Indianapolis, she just loves insects and goes crazy over this. It's always an emergency if she finds an, if she finds an insect. So we've learned that we can feed that. You know? sure. There's so many. We haven't been able to peg them all yet. Yeah. And they change all the time, too. We babysit all the time. You know, there's okay, I bet. All the families here is like, hey, we'd sure like to go out on a date on this night. Can you guys watch the kids? Or we have this. Can you watch the kids? It's there. There was a time when I actually said, Hey guys, we need a month off. You know, mom needs a rest. (laughs) Let's let's not do, don't, don't schedule this for this month, but, and the kids are all different. Some are just a spur of the moment. Hey, can you, can you watch the kids? I got to do, we got to do this. But uh-huh. the other will be, hey, uh, we're planning this two months in advance. Can you babysit this day? And other, well, I guess, but we don't know <laughs> what we're going to be doing at that time. So, okay, I guess we won't be going anywhere on this weekend because we're booked so far ahead. But that's a great question, and it really spurs me on to think about what each one of them really like to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I did in a whole episode about solo, taking them on a solo trip or taking, you can, and that would be impossible to do with that many kids. You know, that many grandkids, you can't take each one of them to New York City or wherever they want to go. I mean, the expense of that is crazy to start with, but just the time and the energy, I, I can't even imagine. So, I mean... That's not going to happen, but I didn't know if you ever like take walks alone with each one of them or do anything that would be, you know, not expensive things that you could just do. I was going to say one thing that I can think of is that when they turn five, they get to go flying. I am, I'm a hot private pilot, Nice. but they can't go and come in the plane with me until they're five years old. And so once they, once they hit that, you know, uh, they've learned that that's the age now. Hey, when are we going? It's time, you know. I, <laughs> so that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, have one that walks up the driveway in his bare feet with his guitar strapped around yeah. his neck, <laughs> and he's ready for a guitar lesson. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a random guitar lesson anytime. Okay, just come on in, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> do a guitar lesson. Yeah. So there's always an opportunity to deal with one of them. The the youngest or some of them like they love sports. They love baseball. So. Wow, in the summertime, it's constantly playing catch or pitching to them or doing something like that or hitting balls out to them. And they just love that. It's just, it's yeah. just doing what I would just consider normal family stuff. Yeah, yeah. I do think that, and this is something, and maybe I, because I was kind of out of all of the grandchildren, I tended to be kind of stuck in the middle and or near the end. And I felt sometimes as if, you know, I wasn't aggressively seeking out or t- trying to be like, I think there are some grandchildren who will be like you said, with the grandson who runs up the driveway in his bare feet. He's he's intentionally pushing himself towards you. But I think there are some grandchildren who might be a little more reticent to do that, a little more introverted. And so it seems like you might have to seek them out a little bit more. Have you noticed that maybe, Tina, have you noticed that about any of your grandchildren? I, I guess there's so many that are extroverts that they overshadow the introverts. Yeah, yeah, so. I think that's true. 
some some of the, the Joel's kids, mm -hmm. you know, the middle ones, yeah. same Edmund. There, they, he's a little right. quiet. You know, right. they're a little. They go off to themselves, and you got to pull them out and yeah. do some yeah. things. But yeah, yeah. I, again, when they're all here, or there's an, or just enough of them here, they're all out doing their own thing. Yeah. They just cannot be with each other yeah. and go play. Yeah, and that is the greatest gift. You've given them this great gift of cousins, and I see that even with our 10, that they just enjoy being with each other so much. And, you know, that is a huge gift. It's a life-changing gift that, um, you know, some some parents are able to do. Some parents are able to have that many and then have that many grandchildren to uh, ensuing from that. And that's just, you know, a, a wonderful thing that they can do. And it doesn't mean that, oh, having a small family isn't good. It's just different. Because I know people with small families love the individuality and the time they spend with their kids. It's, it's very um, special to them. And they probably can't even imagine what it would be like to be lost in a, a sea of 21 to 24 grandchildren. Right, right. <laughs> there, there are definite advantages if you had fewer grandkids that you could spend, you know, quality type time with. I've never been a big quality over quantity kind of person, but the... <laughs> There are advantages to, you know, having alone time with a, a fewer number of kids. Yes. So yeah. I can see how that could be a, a real blessing as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, I think they're all good. No matter how many you have or how few you have, grandchildren are wonderful. And it's such a great thing to enjoy in your older years. And uh, so I, I thank you for being here and talking with us about this and helping us think through what it means to have a large family and how we might do a really good job of making them feel um, good about being in a large family. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank pleasure. you for having us. It was really fun to talk to Mike and Tina about their two dozen grandkids. He texted me later and wanted us to mention their cool 16-point Wilson family handshake. It started with their kids, and now their grandkids, beyond a certain age, all do it too. It has become a big deal, an exciting rite of passage, and they see it going on and on for generations. Next time on The Grand Life, Mike and I chat about our own family of 10 grandchildren and how we also have some family traditions that help us ensure that each grandchild feels special, while also creating a team spirit for our largish family. There will be lots of practical advice in this one, so make sure you tune in. And in the stretch it takes, I'll talk about my grandparents and their efforts to do the same. If you have a large family and you'd like to contribute ideas and traditions that you'd like to share with our audience, please email me at grandlifeconnection at gmail.com, or you can leave a voicemail at 317-572-7876. Oh, I also wanted to thank you for your reviews. We got a wonderful one last week that was so encouraging. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, just a reminder that if you haven't subscribed online to Grand Magazine, please take time to do that. It's a wonderful quarterly magazine with great articles, book reviews, and commentary on grandparenting issues. And it's completely free. You can find it at grandmagazine.com. I'm Emily Morgan, and thanks for joining me in living the grand life. <music>